Hello and welcome to the Juan Juan podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content, early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart? Available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Welcome to the One on One podcast with your host. Juan Ayala. Let's get also tie into a cryptid called melon heads that are seen in Massachusetts. Ohio and Michigan. And what's really funny about these melon heads, there's a story. They all have a similar story of a doctor who either helped them because they had a condition that was causing their heads to grow or made them that way. There's always like the evil doctor story and then there's the good doctor story. Oddly enough, the doctor is Dr. Crow. And me, just on a chance, I was doing some deep dives on melon heads a couple months ago. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if like Aleister Crowley was in the States around the time that melon heads were first seen. And he was. He actually was in the States. And this is when he had his whole experience with Lamb. I question whether it was him. We don't know what all he was doing over here. And we don't know where he went and what he was doing. And it just seems like the Mideast or Midwest would be a exciting place to perform a lot of experiments off in the woods in some small towns where people wouldn't really know what was going on. And what if he got some direction from lamb or lamb-like entities to create maybe the first meat sack grays?
Welcome back to another episode of the one-on-one podcast. I'm your host as always. Make sure to follow the show on social media at the one-on-one podcast, tjojp.com. For those that want more of the show, patreon.com slash the one-on-one podcast. Make sure to get your homunculus owner's manual, Cultus Mundi, the chosen Juan. I always got to look at, at it and make sure I'm saying the title correctly the chosen juan all that good stuff tjojp.com and also call in i did set up a google voice you can call in at 407-476-4606 leave leave a voicemail i don't know whatever also leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to the show helps to show out comment on the spotify all that good stuff and i'll be reading those five-star reviews on the show so without further without any further ado we got not a stranger to the show people have seen this guy on my feed multiple times we've done multiple shows together and welcoming us again to the show joining us again to the show is joel thomas what's up bro what's up man it's been a little bit right yeah, it's actually, I know it's been a little bit because you've got like a pretty hefty beard going on right now, and then I've got a beard. So it's like, <laughs> we're like, dude, yeah, man, it's uh, it's that time of year, right? It's starting to get cold, and I don't know about Florida compared to Ohio, but Ohio does tend to get pretty cold, man. So I think I'm going to put some, uh, you know, face warmer on, natural face warmer on. I'm, I'm really so the the truth behind is I'm trying to tap into like my inner alchemist, right? I don't grow like a huge beard. I don't I don't consider this a beard, but I'm just trying to tap into that that biblical patriarch old type of because back then they had like some. I'm, I imagine Moses with like a crazy. Do they say he has a beard? Do they, do they give a description of 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 Noah? No, all right. I just think people like throw these depictions in. We don't know really. I mean, it could be like the <laughs> the closer you are to alchemy, like the less hair you have. I mean, they could have just been like baby bald. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, there's something to it, bro, because Rudolph II, the alchemical emperor, he had a whole court of alchemists. They at one time protested that they were going to cut their beards off if he didn't. I think he was like mistreating them or something. That was like a an alchemical workers union or something. And they they had threatened with cutting their beards. off. So there's something to that alchemical process. I don't know if they t- pluck a little hair out and throw it into the into the stew or something. I don't know, man. There's something to it. I mean. But- you could even talk about biblically. I mean, Samson, man, he wasn't supposed to cut his hair. His source of strength came from his hair. So he was like waxing hundreds of Philistines with like the jawbone of an ass or a donkey. Whoa. So, yeah. And when he had his hair cut by a prostitute who he frequented, Delilah uh, cut his hair. Well, nobody knew where his strength came from, so she was paid off by the Philistines to figure out where his source of strength was. And in a moment of weakness, he told her. So they shaved it off while he was asleep, and he was weak. And they uh, chained him up in the courts to make fun and laugh at him. They poked his eyes out. He was blind in the courts. And um, in a moment of crying out for forgiveness he was given the strength back and he pulled down the pillars he was attached to and it crumbled the entire temple with all of the uh philistine 
monarchy in there, which is pretty wild. So, yeah, there's probably something to that. <laughs> Before we get any further into it, Joel, can you let people know where they can find your work at? Got a website or anything you want to plug? Absolutely. So I am. I do a lot with Merkel Media, which people know of Tony Merkel from the Confessionals. So I've got a lot of projects coming out underneath uh, Merkel Media here in the next few months. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, some of it is kind of under wraps. And some of it, like the films, I just got back from Kentucky and Tennessee. And we went down there hunting I can say portals and dog man, and we did not come back fruitless. So we do have some great stuff for this next film. It's our fourth film, and we've got the Shape of Shadows. You can see us right here. That's currently out at theshapeofshadows.com. You can purchase the film, which has done really well. Um, it's going to be on Amazon Prime to be Apple TV within the next month or two. So it'll be hitting all the major stuff, but it is up for um viewability on Vimeo on demand, which if you purchase it from your laptop or your phone or whatever, if you got a smart TV, you can put it right on the TV. So it's no issue with that. Um, you can find me at Joel Thomas Media on all platforms. So everywhere you go from X to uh Instagram, um Linktree youtube whatever you can find me on all those platforms again i got a lot of really cool stuff coming out podcast wise within the next month or two but currently i am underground working on some very interesting projects that juan does know about off air but we will reveal those as they come yeah i'll make sure to just, i'm gonna tweet about that stuff now actually the secrets of the secrets <laughs> the, the occulted secrets of of joel thomas no i'm, I'm kidding but yeah dude you, you're out in the field, you're experiencing things that you can't even explain. You don't know what's going on. And it's like, Joe, if you find, if you see the portal, bro, right, opens up right in front of you. Are you going to run through it, Joe? Are you going to look at it? Are you going to run the other way? What are you going to do, bro? Are you going to go head first? What would you do if, if like a portal just opened up right in front of you? I'm going in for sure. I don't think that's any question. We'll see what happens when it goes down. Um, I've heard of some portals opening up on people's trips. And I know of, well, allegedly two guys that ended up in a portal and didn't know it during a Bigfoot ex excursion with a Bigfoot team a couple years ago. Some guys ended up in a cube portal and it looked like almost like stranger things they were in just a upside down version of where they were at they didn't really realize it because it just kind of happened they walked out of it and it went away and over the next year both of them died one of them got cancer and the other one got some other disease so i don't know if there's some sort of radioactive element that goes on with portals or not uh, we do bring geiger counters with us so we're making sure that we're you know safe we're on these trips as safe as possible, right? I mean, you just can't account for what can happen in the field. And I do think that a lot of these cryptids and paranormal activity 
is very aware of the technology you have with you too. So I, I think that's why a lot of times people are like, why can't you ever catch anything on camera? Well, a lot of times things happen when you're putting these cameras down and putting technology down. So I think there's a little bit of something to that too. However, you can hear guys like Scott Carpenter, um, who just died uh, earlier this year. He caught a lot of stuff on camera, but he's pretty slick about how he would go out there and, and hunt these things down. He would keep the, camera in front of him and film behind him as he was walking so a lot of things he caught was in the tree lines behind him and i mean he's got some of the probably the best evidence i've ever seen i mean full-on bigfoot faces looking at him behind trees and other cryptids as well so i do think that there is something to being a little bit sneaky or putting yourself you know, alone in harm's way, which tends to happen on these trips with me. They kind of send me out on my own a lot of times with a camera or sometimes nothing, which happened in Washington and some really crazy stuff happened when that happens too. So even on the first trip, Expedition Dogman, which by the way is available, shameless plug on Amazon Prime, uh, Apple TV or Tubi. Uh, that's when it happened to me. I was alone and the cameras were off and down and then a uh, crazy uh, thing happened in the woods in front of me. So I couldn't explain it, still can't explain it this day. But I do think these things are aware of technology, especially if you're talking about cryptids who may have a different biological uh, makeup than we understand. Because, you know, as far as we know, and I'm not talking about governments, but as far as we know in mainstream science, we haven't seen any of these bodies or to be able to dissect them and understand how they work. So. And that's something that I constantly think about, like the evidence, right? Because just because we don't have the evidence doesn't mean that there isn't any evidence. And what gets me is that the best evidence that we have as far as footage is the Patterson-Gimlin film. Like that, and I don't know if you saw the latest where they took all the different ones and they overlaid and then they stabilized it so you're able to kind of see a lot of details that we couldn't see before and having actual footage of this or a picture or something that is just part of like a kid when when I talk to my son about Bigfoot the first thing he wants to see is a picture of it I mean that's <laughs> that's like the automatic thing even a, ch a five-year-old child goes hey where where's the where's the video where's the picture like that's the first thing a child's mind goes to you know when i'm sitting down watching a dog man documentary with my five-year-old he'll sit still the whole and it's kind of messed up because he'll sit he'll sit still the whole time waiting for them to <laughs> show <laughs> and i know it's not coming right because a lot of times you have a lot of documentaries that a lot of times they don't show really anything it's a lot of just retelling of stories and things like that and so it's like to me with this whole, and we can get into it because we've talked about it a little bit before, where you have these two camps where, well, you have three camps here, the people who don't believe at all and think it's all BS, the people who think it's, it's blood and bones and the people who think it's interdimensional type of, you know, consciousness projection, whatever. Maybe it's a little bit of both. And, and I wanted to talk to you today because I put out an episode on elementals and this idea that these beings 
are maybe perhaps right because man he was created in the image of god and he was given powers essentially this divine he has some of the divine spark and not only is he a creator in the biological sense that he's able to procreate and make people right not homunculus but make people right children and so on and so forth but paracelsus talks about how man is also right whatever comes from the edemic flesh is is divine in a sense but he's also able to create in the imaginatory you know in the imaginal i guess is what you would say in the imagination where there's this other layer where man is able to create things and if you really look at it a lot of the depictions for example the flying saucer the the archetypal alien thing alien craft comes from essentially hollywood like this is a depiction that man brought forth into the collective and that's what everyone takes as the go-to like oh it was a flying saw it was a cigar shaped it was a whatever shaped and that comes from the collective so are we conjuring for a lack of a better term these things into the collective and that's what people are drawing from what are your thoughts as far because i know it's probably changed throughout time because when i first started i thought bigfoot was just a monkey but the more you dive into it the less you know really and what 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 if dude what if this these beings are actually elementals right for to to label it and they're actually because elementals are sort of the leftovers of god's consciousness of god's power almost like like the, the 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 cream off the top is these beings what if these could potentially be offsprings of the creator's consciousness that just kind of like boop sorry you know like they just popped out and they're just here and they exist and that's why they're able to blend in and out of of reality yeah i think it's interesting you talked about being able to create and that's something that i've been really honing in on in a lot of my research and studies now is the term create and how that equates to cryptids or things in the past and i think a lot of times because i will refer to fallen angels as being able to create that gets a little pushback sometimes within the biblical community because they're thinking creating from nothing i when i say create just similar to way a human can create you're creating from something else right we we take the sperm and the egg and that creates the human it's very similar to what fallen angels can do but just on a different scale right they've been there since the dawn of time or at least as much as we know uh from when we have no idea when they were created but they were created but they've seen us being created and a host of other things created so they may have a little insider knowledge on how to do that now are they going to be able to perfectly create like god absolutely not but can they create in the sense of lego right you take a pile of lego and you're able to take from something that's already made and then build something else absolutely i i think that that's how there were some things created throughout time. You know, we talk about Bigfoot. What is Bigfoot? I don't think it's one thing in particular. I think you can look at it from a host of different angles. 
you could look at Ron Moorhead's version of Bigfoot as quantum, being able to move in and out of quantum spaces and realities, which I do think that even your flesh and blood Bigfoot is possibly able to do as well. Maybe that's just a byproduct of how they were created. Um, what about the Fae or elementals, as you talk about? Or if we're talking about angelic hierarchies, principalities. So those would play into um, being able to work within the constructs of how the elements work on this Earth. Or other planets if you believe there's other planets obviously so that would be uh something to look at too were they a byproduct of that are they something that was created by fallen angels taking the dna from this and the dna from that and then mixing it creating bigfoot is bigfoot three or four different things is was bigfoot which i think is highly plausible created eons ago in a specific time long before Adam and they have just been here for ages, but then there were other um, big foots created outside of that structure that could do other things, you know, maybe a mimicked version. I think there's also the high possibility that governments um, behind the scenes have been able to capture some of these flesh and blood Bigfoot and be able to recreate or clone, create in labs versions as well. Maybe meat sacks that other entities can host inside. That's where you're going to see typically white Bigfoot or dogmen around military bases um, to keep outsiders from coming in. So I think, honestly, Juan, it's, it's just it's such a wide open thing that I don't think that we can pinpoint it down and say it's this for sure. You know, I find it fascinating in the Bigfoot community. You've got people that are just flesh and blood and they do not like any talk of anything. Otherwise Bigfoot is the missing link and that's what he is. And that's all it's going to be. But generally speaking, these people have been in the field for 20, 30 years and they have not allowed themselves to grow and they've shunned all the information that's coming from all these other sightings and interactions from people that are seeing Bigfoot do things that just isn't flesh and blood. Uh, morphing, changing, shape-shifting, which I think at that point, you're right. You're moving into that elemental or principality phase of what they could be. Maybe even the fae or fairies, which they are known to shape shift and lure people into the woods. And that's what you typically see those type of Bigfoot doing to people. And that's something, right? And I looked up here, the etymology of cryptids, right? Well, there's really no, the, the word cryptid was coined by John E. Wall, which I've never heard of him before. Uh, Maybe he's some sort of, we'll look him up here, but he wrote a letter to the editor that was published in the International Society of Cryptozoology newsletter in 1983, suggesting that the word cryptid mean a living thing having the quality of being hidden or unknown. And the word cryptic is from the 16, the 1630s, so 17th century, hidden, occult, mystical, from Latin, crypticus, from Greek, crypticos, fit for concealing from cryptos hidden meaning mysterious enigmatic is attested by 1920 related to cryptically so the word cryptic obviously it's 
hidden, occulted, right? And this John E. Wall guy. And it's such a weird phenomenon because, right, aside from the fact that no one can ever get any pictures. Because even when I saw my UFO, the, the first time I had ever seen a UFO where I was like, yo, that was wild. That was a UFO. I didn't think of taking my phone out to like record it because I wasn't alone. There were, you know, my son and my wife both saw it. Okay, so I know for a fact that there was something there, and I know for a fact that I don't know what it was. Therefore, right. it was flying. It's a UFO, and it was like wasn't making it. It was like just a weird orange orb. Okay, so it was something. And you talked about these angels or these things, elementals, sylphs, whatever you want to call them, these entities creating. And I, I absolutely think that they can create absolutely. And, and how you said, not in the sense of perfection, like God, but if you follow the story of Enoch, some say two and second Enoch are, are irrelevant, but if you follow the story of Enoch, he becomes a lesser Yahweh. He becomes like the little Yahweh. He becomes this overseer of reality where he's able to manipulate. They say that the, that the angel that stopped the arm of Abraham was Metatron. So he's able to have some, some interaction with reality. And I do think that these things can, because you're saying they did skim the secrets off of the, the divine alchemists at work, right? The watchers. Well, who are they watching? Well, first they're watching God at work, bro. And that's how they knew how to do what, the, obviously they don't know the true secrets because they're not hundred percent all divine, but yeah, I do. I don't know why anyone would argue against these entities not being able to create. I think that they absolutely can create and, and some, and, and go above and beyond. And you talked about, right, in the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. I've been recently reading about, what's that, what's the the doctrine, creatio ex nilio, nilo? Creatio ex nilo is the doctrine that matter is not eternal, but had not had to be created by some divine creative act. So the idea that God, not in, not in the sense, because there was this argument, bro, and this is what my studies have been centered around lately, is the idea of the story of creation, the story of Genesis, was it alchemical? And if, if it was alchemical, right, because this is what the alchemists were obsessed with, and this is why they were throwing fits against the alchemists, because they were like, no, no, God transmuted the prima materia, the 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 first form of dark matter, dark energy, whatever you want to, he f transmuted that and created what is being said in the book of Genesis. And the church people were like, no, that's blasphemy because it was the power of the Holy Spirit that was able to create reality out of nothing. And then Paracelsus is like, wait, so... They say Jesus Christ was present at the creation of everything. So what if JC, our boy JC, was the primo material? And they go on this whole, bro, they write papers and papers on this topic of did God create something out of nothing? Or was it an alchemical transmutation of taking a bare material and elevating it, projecting it to its purest form? And dude, there's well, that's kind of where they get the idea of the Azoth, <laughs> right? To yes, so that yes, material that's going to 
uh, be the like it is the embodiment of God is yes. what they see that the Azoth is. So I don't know, man. That's that's part of down the journey of trying to figure out <laughs> or put an idea to something that we're never going to figure out. Right? I think yeah. that ancient alchemists for sure were on that path. I, I guess my biggest beef with some of these ancient alchemists was they just did a lot of evil stuff. Like there's, you know what I mean? Like it, it seemed to be that they would find themselves in the company of watchers and in the company of fallen entities mm -hmm. more often than not. So it didn't seem like that they were, here's this weird paradox, right? They want to kill the ego, but to boost the ego, which is so <laughs> mind blowing to me because they want to like kill their ego but to become a Metatron or become a god, essentially. So I don't really think they're killing their ego. I think that's just a way to make themselves feel good for what they're actually doing to achieve this godhood. Mm -hmm. um, at least to me, that's what it feels like when I'm looking at ancient alchemy and I'm looking at um, some of these ancient alchemists. Now, if you want to argue the point that Adam... You know, Enoch, Moses were alchemists themselves in the sense of they were using the spiritual realm in a way that we don't understand, that we would consider magic, then yes. I think that you could use the word alchemy in that way. Um, but, you know, the book of Enoch does say that Barakael, the fallen one, gave alchemy to... <laughs> Uh, traded it with the sons of or the men to have access to the women to create the Nephilim. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a weird uh, kind of gray area when you're getting into that part of it. Uh, again, I'm not sure. I, I would argue the point though, that alchemy is not necessarily a good or bad thing. It's how it's used. Exactly. So I think that that's, that, is something that I'm you know, on board with that I, that I do consider when I'm looking at this stuff, because I do think that, you know, we go back eons and we look at ancient man. I just think that they were more in tune to the spiritual world than we were, whether they were using it for good or evil. So I do think that you have to take that into account because if we're going to say the fallen entities are corrupting, their version of creating is always corrupting mm -hmm. something that God created. Well, they had to pull from something good. So if this alchemy that Barack Iyer taught had to come from a good place, there had to be a good use for it. So it yeah. wasn't just like he was like, hey, here's this magic that Adam doesn't understand or they can't combat. That would be ludicrous because then like we wouldn't be here. Like the earth would have been just obliterated literally for good so it just doesn't make sense right so i think that that's the problem with the modern biblical church is they take that supernatural piece out of the bible they take all these fantastical stories out of the bible but yet they want to say that there is a supernatural being that created us all <laughs> doesn't make any sense it doesn't and, and i get that everybody's got their own take on what they think this supernatural being is that's fine. And, you know, people can argue theology all day, right? But at the end of the day, if you're going to say that there is a supernatural being created all this, whether you think it's flat, oval, or round, then you have to take on board that 
everything else is a, is a plausibility at that point. I just I I don't see it any other way. Yeah, and I, and I recently I'm on board with the idea that the Nephilim gave alchemy to right the daughters of men in exchange for sex because as a failsafe, bro. So like later on they're like, yo, make that little homunculus and make sure to invoke me next time, right? And it's like I'm gonna mm. inhabit that you know that vessel and reincarnate into this reality. So I think there's something yeah. to be said there. And one of the things that ha- you mentioned cloning and right, ancient cloning, ancient CRISPR, whatever you want to refer to it as, I do believe that there was a form of this genetic engineering back then, this, this ancient genetic engineering. And one of the things that has always fascinated me, crop circles is one thing, right? A lot of people don't know about crop circles. Crop circles is a true phenomenon that's that's really bizarre. If you really go down that whole rabbit mm-hmm. hole of crop circles, like where they come from, we don't really know. Some of them obviously are man-made, but the phenomenon of crop circles is one thing. But the other phenomenon that is super bizarre to me is the the cow mutilations and the idea of maybe perhaps they're taking this biological matter i guess these things from these cows to perhaps harvest in some lab somewhere but then that would kind of sort of if it is the government behind it it would insinuate and indicate that there is a group of people who are pulling the strings maybe working in collaboration with these entities whether they're organic or not but then if they're harvesting the blood of these cows which is very similar to humans right? The anatomy is similar to humans. Then would that insinuate that these entities are blood and bone? Like what, you you know what I'm saying? Like there's so many unanswered questions, but we can't deny the fact that something is happening to these cows. Something weird is happening. Now you can chalk it up to whatever, but I don't know what cuts things tongues out, drains them clean of their blood. And then the other one that was really crazy was where it looked like they were dropped. Like if they were being taken up in the, in something and then drop from a very high height and their legs are broken. Poor cow. You know, cows are really nice. Cows are like, are like dogs, bro. They really are. They, they, they really are. I was on this last trip and there was this uh, pasture of cows next to this Airbnb we were staying at. So it was a, it was an interesting Airbnb, like really nice, but it was like on a farm. But it was like a row of like six units that this person built for specifically Airbnbs. And they were like two bedroom, three bedroom, actually three bedroom. Uh, really nice. And they were all stacked together. And that was it. And then there's this cow pasture like across, like probably 10 feet from where you walk in. And then on the other side is a massive uh, farmhouse and everything else. And we came back really late one night from being out in the field and like I I drove up and I got out and I just turned around a bit. This cow is just five feet from me, just staring at me. And I realized like, man, they're all against this like fence line here. So, you know, I tried to get one to come over to me, but they didn't know me. They're like, no, I'm not feeling you. And then I walked over. I think I scared one of them because like she had her back turned to me and I was like, Hey there. And she was like, ah, and she got, got up and like ran off and it scared the other one, that whole like cattle mentality. So they like, they all started moving. I'm like, I'm just trying to be your friend. Like, they, yeah, that's what we heard from the last guy. And then we never saw uh, 
Bessie again. <laughs> <laughs> they sense that Nephilim blood, bro. I was like, yeah, let's do the uh, ne- Nephilim descendant. So, right. We're, we're, Interesting we're, you brought like, up cow mutilations, though. So, there's some several theories on you know what the blood is used for. Uh, one of them is if you know anything about cows, their adrenalized blood is actually a higher content than humans. So, you know, and take that for what you want to. Let me add here real quick because this is something I meant to bring up. I believe, let me, hold on, I could be speaking out of my ass, but <laughs> there's something to do with the cow brain having a sort of chemical. I can't find the I can't find it on the internet to confirm it, but there is a certain chemical in the brain. But if you think about how you're saying the blood and then the things that they say that that one conspiracy of the thing that they get from the blood, that could also be part of it. It rhymes with Google Chrome. So use your imagination there. Well, think about this. So, you know, one of the theories that I like a lot is this blood is being used for laboratory based uteruses to grow Nephilim in. So if you're taking something that's highly adrenalized, more so than human, and you're putting it in these tanks, you know, this could play into how women that are abducted and become pregnant and then within a few months are re-abducted and the uh, fetus is taken away and they're the only ones that remember being pregnant, that these fetuses are being put in these tanks with this cattle blood which is more adrenalized than human blood and you got to think if you're going to nephilim you're going to need a big tank so i think that maybe that's a possibility and that does tie into my nephilim portal babies theory overarching part but i do think that there is a high possibility that this could be a part of that so yeah man there's they're definitely using it for something and it's constantly attached to little gray entities all the time. You know, you might see a reptilian here or there, but you're always seeing those, those, those guys, those are always involved and they're never involved with anything good, whether or not they're lying to the people they abduct initially or not. They always find out these, whatever they are, meat sacks, mechanized, <laughs> Um, robots, flesh and blood, um, ethereal. There's, a, I think they could be all, depending on the situation, but they're never good, man. We know that. <laughs> and so I, I came up with this right now. Like, what if, right, they're using this blood mm-hmm. in order to evolve, to to achieve this next level of, of human evolution, right? For and 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 the reason I'm thinking about this is because if you look at so we have the concept of moon children, which Crowley wrote extensively about. They called it soul fishing, where they would build these certain buildings to resonate at certain frequencies to attract souls that and that would insinuate that souls are this substance that exists apart from the body. And that's the mind body dualism. That I think therefore I am. That's been a, an argument for hundreds of years. If the body is a vessel housing this consciousness, which is a whole different rabbit hole. But I'm thinking right now of the movie avatar 
if you're thinking of a, about a Nephilim in a tank somewhere, and I looked up how how these avatars are are grown essentially, and the avatar program scientists take DNA from the Navi and from a selected human volunteer on Earth in genetic and genetics labs. They create an in vitro embryo, embryo, which is a genetic composite of the alien and human donors. The cost of each avatar was once roughly five billion dollars. However, there is information suggesting that the price of avatars has decreased over time. And so the embryo is grown in vitro during the flight to Pandora, which takes three years, et cetera, et cetera. And in that time, it reaches near adult size. So in three years, five Earth time due to its relativistic effects from the light speed. So essentially five Five Earth years, this thing reaches near adult size since avatars mature much more rapidly than humans. So what I think is happening, bro, is that these movies that they put out, right? So they have a nutrient-rich broth and circulated through an artificial placenta, a purpose-driven matrix of spongiform blood vessels and monitoring electrodes, Engineered hormones are used to stimulate rapid growth and ensure correct organ development and muscle tone during the interstellar journey. So right now, bro, they are literally putting this in our movies of like how they could essentially create these entities. And then it says here, while the avatars in vitro wince like dreaming babies, when born, they are not believed to be sentient having no personalities of their own. Their sensor, motor, and higher brain functions operate only through a sonic link with a human driver. The avatar avatar body is intended simply as an empty vessel for use as a surrogate body by the human operator. So, bro, they're talking about some next level. Again, the body being a vessel, they grow these things, and then, again, they they pass their consciousness, they download it, into this other thing and in that movie it's weird the newest one because not only are they drawing this similar substance from these whales and if depending on which translation of genesis you read it states the first creatures created were whales right in the book like the one of the first creatures again depending on which translation you read and in this movie they're extracting this serum from these whales that have divine experiences they they have a religion they dream they're like super super conscious entities so i don't know what holly weird is trying to tell us but you could be on to something as far as this nephilim portal baby idea maybe they're right something akin to moon children that crowley also wrote about and and they called their buildings the nets to capture these butterflies right the butterfly net to capture these souls and draw them into these embryos that they were essentially harvesting. This could also tie into a cryptid called melon heads that are seen in Massachusetts, Ohio, and Michigan. And what's really funny about these melon heads, there's a story, they all have a similar story of a doctor who either help them because they had a condition that was causing their heads to grow or uh, made them that way. There's always like the evil doctor story. And then there's the good doctor story. Oddly enough, the doctor is Dr. Crow 
um, C-R-O-W-E or C-R-O-W, however you want to do it. There's several different uh, spellings for it. And me, just on a chance, I was doing some deep dives on melon heads a couple months ago. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if like Aleister Crowley was in the States around the time that melon heads were first um, seen. And he was. He actually was in the States. And this is when he had his whole uh, experience with Lamb. So I question whether it was him we don't know what all he was doing over here and we don't know where he went and what he was doing. And it just seems like the mid East or Midwest would be a exciting place to perform a lot of experiments off in the woods in some small towns where people wouldn't really know what was going on. And what if he got some direction from lamb or lamb like entities to create maybe the first uh, meat sack grays to host some sort of entity or Nephilim entities. And I think it's a high pl- uh, possibility, especially when you look at the spelling of Crow and then Crowley or Crowley. I, I just found it fascinating. And it was right during that early period of the 1900s. It was at the same time. And, you know, if people want to, they can go look that up. But it is uh, right around that same block of time. I was like, well, he was in the States. I know that much. So it's it's a huge possibility that these melon head cryptids were actually created in a lab as maybe the first go at these meat sacks, which I think is very prevalent in these gray alien abduction sequences. I think when you touch them, they're probably real. I think they they have some sort of skin. I'm not saying that fallen entities can't shapeshift into them at times to create this narrative. I think that happens too. But I think in these abduction instances, I think this is what you're seeing more of. These meat sacks, these things that were created to host Nephilim spirits of old because they have no place to go unless they're trying to possess a human, which is allowing them to do so. So, yeah, man, I, I think it's possible, and I'm thinking it's possible maybe Crowley was involved with these creation, these melon heads back in the early 1900s. That's an interesting connection. And from your research, did you find if this legend revolves around a – a triangle because I know there's a is it the Bridgewater Triangle in Michigan? So it's the uh, Michigan Triangle is what it's called. Oh, the Michigan. Uh, okay, Bridge Bridgewater is going to be on the other uh, East Coast, but the um, Michigan Triangle. As a matter of fact, Juan, yes, it is. It's right there by the Michigan Triangle, which we have heard about the portal or stargate that's in the michigan lake that this triangle yeah. surrounds so we do know that there is a stone hinge that's in the water Whoa. of this michigan triangle where this stargate supposedly exists now we know this for a fact we've seen mainstream pictures of this structure this stone structure that's under the water so this happens and it, believe it's funny you brought that up because i wanted to see if this triangle was close to these melonhead sightings i'm like right there it's like kind of like at the like one of the points Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay so maybe it started here moved ohio and then moved to the east coast but we do know that crowley was on the east coast in new york 
um, for sure during this time. Yeah. So we know about the whole lamb sighting and him having this experience. But I do think that he was doing a lot more here in the States than we actually know or was recorded of. And maybe this was something that he was involved with. I just thought it was an interesting connection that it's it's possible, right? He was here, so maybe maybe it's a possibility. Yeah, because that's that's such a particular drawing, right? Like such a unique drawing of the the lamb that we all know and love, and the the concept and the, or the idea, the allegation that Crowley was, well, I think it was MI six or whatever. Anyways, a governmental spy, part of the of a secret organization, I guess, if you want to believe that. And then here it says that these things were the story explains that after enduring physical and emotional abuse, they became feral. Well, if we follow the lure of the whole idea, if you follow Fritz's work, the idea of creating a, an Illuminati slave, right? Undetectable. Forget the name of the book, but a mind control slave where they need to fracture the mind of again it's very dark and very sinister but they need to fracture the mind of these children in order to how they say split them up into various personalities well what of these various personalities are maybe one of them is an entity where they leave space for a nephilim entity or whatever it is or with these instructions that are being given on how to how to achieve this is again from that dark alchemy that you're talking about that is well was passed down through these fallen angels as a sort of Hey, we know a backdoor of reality because that's what alchemy is. Like it's a backdoor to reality. And, and if you're able to slip out through it, you're able to enter this other state where you're able to manipulate reality from the outside. Nobody can see you. So that, that, that concept of, of linking Crowley with these melon heads. Yeah, dude. And, and the, the, the triangle, which has always fascinated me because of the Bermuda triangle. If you look into the lore of the occult, and you follow the shape of the triangle. Well, not only is it Euclid's 47th proposition, the Pythagorean theorem, we know that the Freemasons and all those different occulted groups are obsessed with that. Well, if you follow the occult, the triangle is also used as a conjuring device for entities, for things to come through. So let's say Crowley was taking a road trip and opening up portals around the eastern side of the States and and he never closed them, bro. That's why the whole Loch Ness, he had the 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 Bolskin house, I believe is the name of it, at Loch Ness. What if creature. he yeah, why did he open up the portal for this creature? Maybe is there is there a triangle at the Loch Ness? Let me look this up. Triangle Loch Ness. And if you even want to take the pentagram, it's just a collection of triangles yes. as well. So you, so the triangles constantly used. You're talking about Freemasonry, the Eye of Providence, mm -hmm. which is the top of the pyramid. So yeah, it's very prevalent in invoking entities into our space, right? So whether we're talking about opening portals, which I think that these Raphaim, the uh, after deluge giants that came, were using alchemy to open portals and move in and out pretty quickly uh across maybe even galaxies uh but space is you know, for all, i know i know i i <laughs> have to realize i have to realize uh, what's really true man you're right i have to but let's just say moving across the earth 
um, in different spots pretty quickly yeah. um, using alchemy. So completely agree with you, but I don't think it was just these Nephilim that were able to do it or fallen entities or angelic beings, man. Again, I think we associate a lot of things with negative when it wasn't created to be negative. And I think that's something that we need to really open our minds up to. And I'm not saying open your mind up to be taken by some Nephilim entity either, but we need to be just acknowledge the fact that we don't know everything or how everything works, especially in the past, right? We people talk about megaliths and pyramids, how they were built, where they built what using sound frequencies that we don't understand now to be able to move uh, stones of that size. Were there giants that did it? We don't know, but there's so much about technology that we don't understand. And it's not necessarily the same kind of technology we have now. It could have just been something different. So I do think, though, that governments have access to a lot of this technology behind the scenes. And oddly enough, it does seem like fallen entities use the technology angle to get what we want. You know, sometimes I wonder, I know, I know fallen entities and demonic entities can oppress us, right? You know, we, we know that fallen, fallen angels can't possess us. Uh, they could do more of an avatar type of thing with us if we allow them or we want them to do it. I think that Nephilim of old, the spirits of Nephilim can possess us if we, you know, allow them to, too. Um, But as far as, um, you know, just looking at, uh, you know, basically they can only do what we allow them to do. Uh, And I think that that's why they come to us with technology because it's kind of like the, the Dracula thing, right? It's kind of like the vampire thing. They're only allowed in if we tell them they can come in. And I think that's a part of it. I think that they come to us with these great feats, these, this magic, and like, but we want access to this or we want access to you to do it. I do think, and to quote the Bible, it never said that we were created a little lower than the angels. That was retconned. It's actually, we were created a little lower than God. So that would, that would show why that these fallen angels were not happy with us. There's also another verse that says, we'll judge the angels in the end as well, the fallen entities. So we were actually created in his God's image. So they weren't, we were. So I think that there's this battle there, and I think that we have forgotten or dumbed ourselves down to the point that we don't realize that we were given this power by God to have dominion over them as well. And I think that they've tricked us into believing that they're more powerful than us and God. And I think by doing that, hey, here's all this magic, here's all this cool stuff, Just let me get access to your women or just let me get access to your family or whatever you quote unquote sell to them for whatever they're offering. But again, they have to offer it and we have to accept it. And I think that's the part that we constantly miss. And I think that's the sad reality of the conspiratorial world 
and just people who are seeking the truth in general, we get so caught up in the negative. We get so caught up in, you know, being trapped in the matrix that we don't realize that that's by our own doing. We're allowing our brains to be uh, dumbed down. And, and and I get it. You know, they're throwing a lot at us as soon as we come out of the womb. <laughs> so it's not an easy feat, but I do think that, you know, and you've said it before on the show that a belief in God does tend to guide you down the path that you need to be on to understand that part of it. Because if we just live in this doomer mentality, well, is it just evil that's out there? Like, is that all there is to this, 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 whatever flat plane globe, whatever, is that all there is to it? I don't think so, Juan. I just, I just don't believe that. And I think. Chosenone.com. Go visit chosenone.com. It's easy to remember if you just sing along. Chosenone.com. Go visit chosenone.com. The chosen one. Yes, he is the chosen one. He's got his own comic, and now he's got his own song. Cause he's the chosen one Yes, he is the chosen one Go buy a copy at Chosenone.com Chosenone.com Go visit Chosenone.com It's easy to remember If you just sing along Chosenone.com Go visit Chosenone.com Think that, you know if we look at what we can do um, as human beings to grow and, and evolve our minds, I think we'll see that we don't really have a lot to fear. We really don't. Yeah, dude. And, and you, the, the technology, I think that technology perhaps is the apple. No pun intended. If you think about it, you're saying they're dangling this everlasting the apple technology. Ah. Well, they never. Well, they never I said it. Went rabbit hole for the past couple months about some of that too, like the pieces of Eden. I mean, think about this. Uh, the what? You know, what the I, pieces of Eden? So, so you're talking about the Apple being technology, right? Mm -hmm. And we always talk about in media things being shown in media. Mm -hmm. You know, just breadcrumbs or whatever. One of my favorite video games of all time is Assassin's Creed, and there is this side quest that shows up that you're collecting the pieces of Eden which is actually a piece of technology that was the knowledge of good and evil so I almost wonder was it actually a fruit or was it a piece of technology that they were not supposed to access I mean there's a way to think about that too so uh, I don't know uh, it's something that I've flirted with that I don't know so that also lends to credence of what was going on back then spiritually in spiritual spaces of technology and everything else that we just don't understand now that these fallen entities are offering us in bits trickling it out they're not giving it all to us man they got to have the power so they're just going to give you a little bit here and there which to our finite minds like oh my this is crazy this is like the gift of the gods i mean that's what We've always looked at it as, right, mm -hmm. when in actuality we were given all that stuff in a uh, in a good way. It's just been corrupted, and we, we're going to use it for our own gain now. 
Yeah, that, and that's that sounds sick. Fragments of Eden, right? Like the the idea of maybe perhaps, and they never did state that it was an actual apple. We just automatically assume apple with knowledge, right? But we know that apples also have worms. Maybe those are the parasites or something, right? Some Illuminati worms or something going on there. But the idea that so technology being this apple, this they constantly dangle this Faustian pact in front of us at all times, like hey. Look at all these riches you can get. Look at all these things you can get. But we need that ass. You know what I'm saying? Like we need those cheeks in order. It's like, what is it? like, oh well the, I can do my taxes quicker if I just, you know, submit to Neuralink. Uh, it's like, oh fine. And the Apple, like the first Apple computer was six hundred and sixty six dollars and sixty six cents. And the reasoning behind it is like, it up. <laughs> he likes he liked repeating numbers. Like, oh out of all bro, out of all the numbers, out of all the numbers you could have picked. It couldn't be $700.77, you know, $700 and whatever. Anyways, 777 instead of he chose 666, which Apple, and then it's got a bite taken out of it. Like, who took the bite out of the Apple on the logo of of Apple? Like, who was that us? Like, were we the ones that, that, and then who gave him the idea for, didn't he start off like selling books as well? I haven't, I haven't watched any of the Apple movies, but. I'm sure it's got a very interesting exoteric story that they tell everybody of how it came. It was probably in his garage and, and right here, April 1st, 1976. And it's funny because April 1st, which is April fools. when when Apple com- computer company was, was founded, April 1st is when, Crowley stated to people that he was in contact with Iwas in the chamber of the king's chamber in Egypt, but he always told people April 18th because 418 is the number of Abrahadabra or Abraxas or whatever it is you want to call it, right? Because they aligned everything Kabbalistically with it with a Q. But there was also some other stories that he never told anybody that was actually April 1st. Because he thought that his fiance, his wife at the time was actually trolling him and playing an April Fool's joke on him. So he was actually in contact with this entity that gave them their foundational text in Thelema. Good. One thing to think about with all of these occultists, and I can even speak to my own life, but even a story of my father in, you know, before he became a preacher and he was walking down a dark path he was training to be an adept in the church of satan and his mentors at the time was a husband and wife they had a three-year-old child that they were training to be the prince of satan as well they could sit him in a chair for four or five hours at a time and he wouldn't even blink uh, my dad saw a lot of wild stuff, you know, other voices coming out of them, telling him things about himself that only he knew as a child. Uh, Wait, you your know, dad was involved, left. you said? Yes. Yeah. We got to get your dad on a podcast, bro. Yeah, he, he actually <laughs> did a members only on um, uh, Tony Merkel. The really? So, yeah, he did. Out. It's a fascinating story about how he turned his life around, but he seen things levitate 
you know, ropes get up in the air and hiss like snakes and everything else. But one thing you got to think about these occultists. So they told him to sell everything he owned. And, you know, it's very similar to, you know, getting rid of your ego, right? You're selling everything you own to give everything to Satan. And they prepared to do that. He had all his bags packed and everything. They told him that they needed him to go pick up some stuff. So he went to the store to pick some stuff up, came back. They were gone with all his money and everything else. All he had was a note on his bag saying, sorry, Charles, we owe everything to our God. Good luck. And that was it. They took all his money and rolled to the Church of Satan with it. So one thing you have to think about these occultists, and you just proved it with the story of Crowley, they lie. They lie about everything. These entities lie to them who teach them to lie to us, so we really don't know what the truth is. It's very similar to what people say about Sumerian texts, the, the Ugaritic texts, right? That those are the first known writings. You know, that that's generally people's go-to when they're like, well, the Bible copied the Sumerian lore because this is the first people of Mesopotamia. These are the first people. Well, if we know anything about history, we don't know anything about history. They've lied to us about everything. They've hidden everything from us. So what do we actually know? What are the first writings? What do we know of what's real and what's not? And I think that's the, for you, somebody like you and me, is the fun space that we play in because we're always seeking what is the truth. Now, I do think if you have some sort of affinity with God or a relationship with God, I think that you'll be guided in the path that you need to. Personal opinion, everybody's got their own, but I, that's what I think. So I think things will be revealed to you personally in your life that you'll see. And I know on a lot of the journeys that I go on with Tony on these trips, it just seems like that things are revealed in a spiritual way on these journeys that aren't just about hunting flesh and blood cryptids. It's about what we're seeing in this metaphysical space. So that's one thing we've got to t always take when we listen to what the writings are or whatever people are saying that are occulted or bring occultic knowledge. If they're getting it from dark entities, they're probably being lied to and then they're taught to lie to us. So we really don't know. Do you think that these elites or, or Crowley or Parsons or any of these guys are actually giving us any truth. Like they want to keep that to themselves. They may give us stuff here and there or, or they'll leave you breadcrumbs so that you can discover it yourself. But then what happens when you get in contact with these entities, are they telling you the same thing that they told them? There's so many different rabbit holes you can go down in that thinking that I just think that, we all have to be careful with whatever we're reading. You know, even you've told me, man, sometimes I got to put books down and pray after I've read this because I may have unknowingly unlocked some things. You know, there, there's trips that Tony and I have been on where we felt the same way. That somebody that was a part of this journey that, you know, that was, you know, interwoven in may have unknowingly or knowingly done something that could have unlocked a an experience that happened around us that may or may not be good and i think that we always need to keep a very 
cognizant mind about that too. And that's something that I'm learning more and more on my journey is to know I don't need to fear it, but also try to do enough research and knowledge to where I can understand it. So when it happens, like at least I know like, ha that was pan symbolism. I know what's going on here, you know, stuff like that. So I, I, I just think that we just need to be careful even with some of these uh, alchemists, because I, I think that they don't necessarily want us all to have access to what they have access to. That's the true ego, right? They're killing their ego to become this other greater ego or God. They don't want us all becoming gods. You know, They may tout that, but I don't think that they're really about that life. Yeah, no, alchemists were a secret society. And I mean, they they believed that right. only the chosen or the initiated could have access to this knowledge. So a- absolutely. And that's why they're known as charlatans, because they would leave these breadcrumbs. And it's like only hashtag if you know, you know, and you're going to get access to this. But you got to submit yourself. You know, you got to be X, Y, Z. And one of the things that I actually want to talk to you about, and I have looking for this question on my Patreon that somebody left in regards to the Elohim and uh, it had to do with you because you, you probably know a lot more about it. Let me find it here. But this concept of how this, that, cause that's something that I've always heard about that the Bible, and I've even said it before that the Bible stole or plagiarized earlier stories. How would you explain that the Bible came after and these stories already existed? What's the explanation as far as that? Were they tapping into something? Is history just flip-flopped? How would you explain that, that these things already existed and then this came after? What, what's the explanation? That's a pretty that? relevant question to ask, right? Because people ask this all the time and they want to know how you can trust, you know, the Bible. Like, you know, and, and in this space, in this truther space, Look, man, it, you're going to get that more often than not because you're going to see people that see all these different religions, all these other books, and question, why is this more important than these? And I would argue that it's not more important in the sense of like historical value because I do think that all of these other religions and mythologies have a lot of weight to them, right? They they help me in my journey to understand everything outside of what the biblical narrative is because the Bible doesn't tell us everything. Like we don't know, but so much, like I feel like the Bible is a grouping of real stories, but a grouping of stories that help us on our journey to become a better version of ourselves. That's what I think that ultimately that it was put together for one you got to trust that your, you know, your journey with God, that you believe that that's a real thing. So there is a belief part of it, right? You got to believe it. And I understand people that don't because of the church, because of how the church has been infiltrated through time. I don't negate that part of it at all. Like, it, that's a very obvious point. And I've argued many times that the church was infiltrated on one end while on the opposite end, those same people made the occult and made all of these other things look fantastic to draw the inner spiritual part of you that you know into something to connect with. So you take the spirituality out of the Bible, 
make that negated, the supernatural part out of it, and then you make it super attractive on the other end. Now, I think that's where we're at now. So I think that's, I, dude, listen, I go to church and I know what it's like to listen to people that will look dead at a book I'm reading and see something completely different. Whereas like I'm looking at like giants and fallen angels and mythical, magical stories, which again, I believe are true, but I'm seeing that, but they're not talking about that. They're like rolling over it like that doesn't even exist within the text. So I think that's important to understand the actual text. Also to understand outlier texts too, like the book of Enoch and the book of Jasher and all of these other apocryphal texts. I think they do have truth and weight. You know what I mean? Like I, I do think that Greek mythology holds weight when you're digging into Nephilim and fallen entities all of them do you know egyptian lore is fascinating right like there's so much there too but back to your question why do i think that it didn't borrow well for one not you but but you know to to ask the question right that i've always had as well and i like i said i've always said like the bible stole from these earlier stories which resonate similar and they just switch the names around but that's how mainstream history is painted like we have the same deities and the mesopotamian and then the egyptian and the mesoamerican and all these different places that were separated with such huge vast distances between them but yet they kind of have sort of the similar entities right you know i think and here's the thing too now one thing you're going to notice and one, and one thing I've been digging into a lot more, too, is that concept, right? Like, So what does that mean to me as somebody who follows the Bible? Well, I've got to look at it from the aspect of the one thing that ver- that doesn't – that is different is you have a one creator who mm-hmm. is the God. Mesopotamians did not have that. You can argue that there was a creator or whatever, but he was not really like a holy person. You, you can get down into the Anunnaki, you know, the fallen ones or whatever, or if you want to call them Elohim, these other gods. It's it, it's really a bunch of gods fighting where you don't see that in the Bible like that. Like you're going to have this narrative of the angels, the angelic beings, who, by the way, were created to be servants to us or to help us like honestly that's what they were created for that was their purpose in being created and they were created before us so there's god knowing what he's going to do in the future um the second piece is back to what i said before what is the original text we know that the bible is this text that was written after the ugarit but we don't do we know that for sure like they're just what they're why wouldn't if someone like if we think that there is an overarching negative elite system that clearly doesn't like God, right? Like at least we know that part, whether you believe it, believe in the Bible or not, that that's pretty clear. Why wouldn't they try to cover up whatever they could to say that, oh, this was borrowed from this? Also, number three. With the Israelites of old, they passed everything down orally. So that was known, at least just from a historical standpoint, everything was passed down orally through the through their tribes. So you've got that part. Then number four, 
and this takes a lot of belief and a lot of faith that God himself ordained through him to these writers to write what he wanted them to write. And at that point, you got to take faith into place, man. And, and I don't fault anyone for questioning that. I don't. Like, I get it. Like, I, I did for a long time. I think for me, I've had the experience of growing up in a very strict church background to literally turning my back on it and being like, I don't have anything to do with this. I wanted to study everything else, all these other religions, go down every other path, you know, there's no one right religion. We're all going to the same place. We're all whatever. Um, to then coming back to the Bible in a different way, to understanding it in a different way than I do now. You know, uh, I don't know if I know there's a hell, right? I don't know if we're there forever because there's no specific text that says that in the Bible either. Uh, if you ask me like right now what I think, I think it's what I would consider restoration. I think that there's a possibility that we all end up in a place with God, but there would be a time of punishment, you know what I mean, for not, you know, living the way that you should. And I think even in the occult, you know, we've got, you know, Hades and all these other places that they do talk about that are very similar, purgatory, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer for that, and I don't claim to. And people that say that they know for a fact, what's going on they just don't you know you can say you've you know deciphered this text a certain way to achieve this you know knowledge that you say this is a fact but i don't know that the bible is explicit in that and i know some christians will probably light me up for that but that's on my journey to understand that maybe mm -hmm. five years from now i'm like hey you know what i was like going through the hebrew and yeah this means that but as far as i am right now i just think that you, it takes a lot of trust. Also, life experiences. You know, I've had supernatural experiences in my life and metaphysical experiences in my life with negative entities to understand how they operate, at least to me, right? You could say, oh, they could be tricking you, right? Hey, it's possible. But I just know that when I made a decision to move in a different way, that you know, things opened up differently for me that I was able to, you know, get some clarity uh, on life. But that's my answer, man. I, again, this could be argued completely different than what I gave you. And I know in this space, it is difficult saying that, hey, you know what? I follow the Bible, but I'm also down with all the weird. It's a weird place to be because you don't see a lot of that. And I think that is important to me because I think that's been taken out of that Bible. And I think that the deeper I've dug, especially when, you know, you can see them right behind me, these uh, Hebrew dictionaries that I get deep into the Hebrew to understand what a lot of these words mean, because whether like the translations aren't necessarily done to be deceiving either. Sometimes they just, they don't, have a word for it so things are translated in a way that they don't have a word for and it just yeah, this is how it is but to know that and say you know what i do want to dig and go into these hebrew meanings because now now i've got a wider range of what i think about the bible and now i feel like the supernatural keys unlocked even more because now it's even more magical than it was before because the hebrew were not scared 
of going there at all. Matter of fact, they were seeing it. Yeah, what the puck is going on? We did that episode. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> and look, lucky for you, Joel, not a lot of people know this about me, but I was born and raised Pentecostal Christian, so I'm with <laughs> you on that of the whole concept of there is something that they're tapping into now. There's only, last I checked, 44,000 different denominations of Christianity. There's only 44,000, right? So Facts. it's not that many, but the I'm going to throw another curveball at you because we're talking about interacting with entities, mm-hmm. them passing messages down, and the Bible has a lot of people interacting with entities. And one of the ones that has always interested me is the book of Revelation and our boy John, right? That Not, the, not John the Baptist or maybe. Because that was like something I came up with because a lot of these... John of Patmos is what most historians will say. say. Yeah. Right. But what I was getting at is that, right, we some of these secret societies such as the Rosicrucians or insert any mystic or esoteric Christian group, right? They take these texts and they really up them to like the, to like crazy length. So if there is supernatural in the Bible and we say that, right, John the Baptist wasn't the one that also authored the book of revelation, right? Another John, but just a different John, but yet we're going to take the chronological order of the Bible, but the, but accept it with the wool, but then the possibilities of these two Johns, maybe perhaps being the same person, maybe the had, he had a different name because I recently stumbled across doing an episode with professor Longo shout out to him where he was telling me about how I think it was, I believe it was the Rosicrucians. I, I could be wrong. Maybe, I think it was the Rosicrucians where they interpreted the whole situation with Lazarus after he was resurrected he was given a different name but I forgot what the name was but it was his initiated name he was initiated after he was brought back and he took on a different name so again this whole concept of John was in touch with how do we know if those entities were good and how bizarre that the the book of revelation is so trippy bro it's so bizarre. It's like an. It's very alchemical. I mean, the whole thing is 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 very psychedelic in nature. It's like, how can we trust that? And if you really think about it, the way you can, because faith is such a. You know, we talked about the prima materia earlier, and the 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 Azoth and and the the quintessence, whatever this, right? Dark matter, dark energy, whatever it is, and faith, belief is one of these things where it's like love. You can't you can't describe what it is, but it's there and it's it does something. It does it, it absolutely does something where it changes you literally sometimes even biologically and and some where you believe and that's where you get the placebo effect. You have faith that this thing is going to work and you bring forth that change. And I mean I've seen it myself the works of the Holy Spirit and the way it where I've seen miracles, bro. So I'm I'm absolutely with you when it comes to that. But then it's like there's so much you have you have to have so much discernment. It's the academic I mind. You know? It's the academic <laughs> mind. And, and I get it, man. Look, I know guys that are like stone cold atheists who 
hey, I think there's something out there, but he doesn't really care about us. He just created this as a joke. I've heard everything in between, you know, and back to the John thing, I think it would be tough for that book to be written by John the Baptist. And the only reason I say that is because of the story of John the Baptist of Herod's wife wanting his head as a trophy and then him being killed and his head being brought to her on a platter. Mm -hmm. And this was while Jesus was walking or Yeshua was walking the earth. So it, it will be tough unless he was given this before he died, which is possible. I mean, he was in the wilderness for a long time. So it's, it's possible that it happened there. Um, I don't know, you know, because it is something that even historians, again, surmise that he was, it was John of Patmos, that this was this John who was, you know, basically on his prison island that wrote yeah. this, this uh, book of Revelation and had these visions. I'm not saying that it wasn't John the Baptist. I'm just saying if it was, it would have had to have happened while Jesus was still walking the earth. So Mm -hmm. this is, you know, not later on when the Roman rule had really, really. Do we uh, have dates for Patmos? What, what, what year that was? Do we have a date for him? Wouldn't be off the top of my head. Let's see here. Cause I don't think uh, some, no, it doesn't look like we have. A date again i'm just and i get why people could say that it could be john the baptist and and that's just no and and that's just something that because i know it's a question people have asked but again there's so much woo woo but it's like no no they couldn't have been the same person like bro but you're talking (laughs) oh it's possible (laughs) i'm not saying it's not possible it's bizarre but the the what i was really aiming at towards was the the idea of he was given a vision Mm -hmm. by an outside source to write these things down and then it's it's it wouldn't matter except that it's in the canon and it's like one of the most i influential stories maybe like that a lot of people right now think that we're living that like whatever he was talking about like all these prophecies you know like people think we're in the end of time which is essentially what the the story is about like the destruction of reality and jesus coming back bro like the- <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say about that. So I had a long talk with uh, Ward, who is uh, part of Merkle Media. He does all the camera work, but he's also in front of the camera, too. A very, very knowledgeable guy. Um, he could go for days on uh, biblical stuff. And he and I were having a talk on the ride back um, uh, about, you know, you know, some, some of these things and, you know, how, how that, you know, they could, uh, operate in this, in this space of reality, right? Like, you know, is it, is it true? Is it not true? Uh, and I can see why people would look at some of these stories and say, well, these entities are, (laughs) are. Bro, your mic cut out, dude. Your mic. <laughs> this always happens, bro. Can you still hear me? False. Uh-oh. Now you're back. Yeah, I can hear you, and you're lagging now. Uh-oh. Here we go. When we start talking about entities and Nephilim entities, things start to lag out. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. You caught up, but I'm probably still behind. No, no. I think we're I think we're going real time because you, you're answering. Oh. Bro, and it cut, you, you said something about if these ent- 
And it was quiet for a second. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in the recording, bro. I'm telling you, it never fails. And I, uh, yeah, I did that podcast with the Nephilim Death Squad. It went off like the last, right when I got into the Nephilim Portal Babies Theory, it just went haywire. It's inevitable, man. I, I don't I don't have an answer for it outside of it's probably something that doesn't want me talking about some of these things, which again, only solidifies my belief in the Bible. So it's not, mm-hmm. if they want to trick me, like they just need to not do this anymore. And I'll, <laughs> you know, be a atheist. Um, but as far as like the, you know, you made a good point, right. Of these entities coming in the Bible and giving us information. Well, generally in the Bible, when you were talking about the, the biblical text and the visions coming, they were never from angelic beings. They were always directly from God. As far as you talk to Jacob's ladder, you can mm-hmm. talk to any of these Enoch when he had not even the vision, but I think it was legit angelic beings in front of him, the wheels, the Ophanim and the seraphim and the throne of God. When he saw all this stuff, um, or sorry, that was Elijah. Elijah saw all this stuff on that mountaintop. Was it Ezekiel? When, Is that the same? What's Ezekiel's no, Elijah. Ezekiel's yeah. another guy, right? Or yeah, Ze- yeah, man, I'm I'm going all over the place here. <laughs> That's all good. Ezekiel, Go Ezekiel wheels, the wheels, yes, yeah. often them, yes. So all the mad visions, crazy visions, mm-hmm. is what I'm getting to. So it was never angelic beings giving them information or giving them visions. It was them showcasing the glory of God in every case in the way of these godly men of the Bible. Now, when you're looking at Nephilim being created and technology being shared and all of these things given, you know, a a Zazel giving uh, a weaponry to mankind, they're giving it to us as gods completely different context where you've got angelic beings who are still rolling with Yahuwah who sit there and, and showcase his glory. It all goes back to him. Whereas you've got these fallen entities and Abaddon himself who say, look at me, I've got what you need. And I think that is the big difference from the Bible and a lot of these other religions that you're going to see, especially when you're looking at polytheism, because that's not that's vastly different than the Bible and Mesopotamia, Sumerians, super polytheistic. And I know there's going to be an argument that, well, the Bible is too. I mean, it talks about Elohim, judge the Elohims, and I'm not disagreeing that there could be other gods, lowercase gods, in the divine council or however you want to translate that into that we don't understand how that operates either. But there's always a central figurehead who, by the way, has made it explicitly clear that we have full access directly to him. We don't have to go through any of these other gods or entities to get there. We have a direct line. That is a huge difference, the Bible, between other religions. And granted, back to the church being infiltrated, well, we we did have the church come in and say, well, you got to go through me. I'm a human. You need to come through me so I can give you the knowledge that you need to be able to talk to God, which is absolute BS. I don't believe that at all. I think we have full access ourselves 
to what God has for us in the in the future. So agreed with you that entities have come to us, but generally, well, always in the Bible, you will see these entities, these angelic beings showcasing God mm-hmm. and looking towards him to show us that we need to look towards him, not the opposite of look at me, which you're going to see these fallen entities and Abaddon himself or Lucifer telling you to do to them. And I think that's the big difference that you'll see biblically, yes. at least in my readings. So the biblical entities aren't going to tell you to give them cheeks up. Those are only the bad entities. They're like, yo, you got to give us the cheeks for us to. Well, and the cheek stuff, man, really, I mean, that's a very Sodom and Gomorrah tale. And oddly enough, in that Sodom and Gomorrah tale, two angelic beings go there to get Saul and his wife and family out of there. So it's uh, it's a whole big deal that they actually come as emissaries of God to help them get out of there because all these like men were trying to, well, one, they wanted to rate the angels because they were so beautiful um, in their human, like they went into a human form that they wanted to rate, like this was a crazy place in this time. So uh, it, it, it's pretty wild, man, um, that story. But that's another example of angelic beings who were trying to be emissaries or bring knowledge from God to us or get us out of trouble, but they're not saying that they are gods or I've mm-hmm. got what you need. Mm-hmm. I'm here as a messenger. And you're going to see that 100% of the time when you're dealing with angelic beings that are rolling with um, the God of the Hebrew Bible, where you're not going to see that with the other end of it. They're always going to pr- profess themselves to be gods and have the hidden knowledge for you, which started with Cain and his bloodline, of degenerates that you know led us to the flood so i believe that's where that goes to yeah no and maybe god was like in the bible like hey listen kids you know you gotta you gotta be on the lookout for these biblical entities that are gonna be posing as right don't take the candy right don't don't take the candy and get in that that white angelic van with them because you never know what's gonna happen you know what i'm saying (laughs) and for the uh mistake commenters that always pop in on your stuff it was oh lot. they're gonna love this bro they're gonna be yeah. the, the most so it wasn't saw it was lot so lot's wife lot was in uh sodom and gomorrah when these angelic beings came there matter of fact lot was trying to give up his own daughters to ward these men off from attacking his house oh that's the and, one that yeah yeah i've heard about correct that story. But these angelic beings did come to get him out of there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Lot was one of the few that was trying to live godlike in this awful, you know, couple cities here. But he's like, hey, take my daughter instead. <laughs> <laughs> Very, he got desperate. And they fortunately like, like, got some angelic beings like, hey, go on now. It's like, we got to make, <laughs> you know, gotta make that meme of him. It's like where the guy with the, with the, with the two red buttons, it's like they're both bad options. Like, you know, live biblically or or give up your daughter. And it's like, Daughters, he's yeah. <laughs> well, and here's the thing too, man. I think that um, people that are pick the Bible apart and want to be against it again, I can understand why, because they see these characters in the Bible that do awful things. And I just think that just is a showcase of humanity itself. None of us can look inside and be like, we're perfect at all. 
you know, matter of fact, Noah, when it said Noah was perfect, he wasn't perfect in his holiness. His DNA was untainted. And that was the bloodline that Yeshua was going to come from. That was the difference. It wasn't like him being perfect. Like none of us are perfect. And I think uh, we got to understand that about humanity. And I think that when we look at each other and we see someone doing something that's like, that's just ridiculous on social media. We see it all the time. We see people that are just doing the the most bizarre things or following the most bizarre things. And it's very easy for us to dehumanize those people and say like, man, this is like ridiculous. It's not wrong to say it's ridiculous, but it's wrong to dehumanize them because we need to look within and see all the nasty, dirty, rotten things that we do in our own lives, even in secret, that isn't right. You know what I mean? We're never going to be perfect, man. Like we can only hope to obtain, um, you know, a, a connective tissue to God and others. And, and we're always going to fail. And I think the Bible is full of stories of godly men failing in, in the most prime positions. You know, like David. I mean, David saw this chick and was like, I want her. Bring her to my chambers. Essentially raped her. I mean, she want no. yeah. yeah he couldn't <laughs> she couldn't say no it's the king right yeah. and then he sends her husband out to the front lines of battle so killed. make sure he's dead <laughs> you know what i mean and he was he was considered after god's own heart bro he's so playing 40 chess my boy's like 40. yeah i'm gonna be you know that, that's like that's like that's next level stuff man that's yeah and i, and I agree with you again and how you're saying I think these stories, these allegories, these things ring true on multiple different layers of reality. They could have been real stories like flesh and bone. How they're also probably stories to get us to live a certain type of way, to teach us certain types of lessons. It all really depends on how you apply that knowledge and how you apply these teachings. And at the brought that we're, you know, there's so many people who are going to argue about all the nitty gritty stuff and how high, how I always say. At the core of it all is God was saying, don't be a piece of garbage. Be a good person. Live righteously, whatever. Live good. Treat each other well. Like, how hard is that? But then people get so lost in this house. Like, well, ancient astronaut theorists believe that, right, that there was all angels, you know, all these angels were aliens. And I was like, bro, you're, you're looking way past what you're actually supposed to be focusing on. And I think it all starts with accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your heart. And I think it all begins from there. So, and I think maybe once you do that and you truly accept them, not just say it, but truly accept them, you're able to open up your eyes. And I still consider myself a Christian. I'm a little bit of a more open-minded Christian than most, but that's because I'm a researcher. I'm looking into these things from a different, how you say it's the academic in me of like to want to, I'm trying to interpret this. What's going on here? Like, I'm trying to like look at things from. I'm the same way, and it's funny. I was at a a live show recently, and one of the podcasters here said that I find a way to stretch the Bible to the furthest like corners. <laughs> so I, I do because I do think that there's so much within the text that has not really been you know delved into you know i find uh you were talking about how people get so lost in the sauce i mean mm -hmm. one of the things is funny with these supremacist groups uh they want to argue that their race is biblically better than another race uh when actually like in the bible you know in the hebrew when it talks about adam the word is admoni 
and it means red or ruddy. So really, he was Uh-oh. more of a a basic, like Uh-oh. a middle ground color. And people don't want to hear that because what happens when Adam becomes a neutral color? You know what that takes away? Us fighting each other, us mm-hmm. having these uh, arguments over who is better than who when it becomes that. And I think that more so than ever, we need to stop acting like we're better than someone else and realize that that's what they want us to do, man. They, they want us to fight each other. You know, in, in the New Testament, Jesus came to rectify the law. He, he, the, the word is God. So he is the word. So he came to basically do away with a lot of the traditions from before and one of those was telling the Jews that they weren't the only people that, that were going to heaven <laughs> or or had a had a right to God. It was the Gentiles as well, which could also be argued that the Gentiles may or may not have been of Nephilim blood. So, you know, we we don't know how many of us have some sort of strain in this somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. So I believe that there was that piece of it where it's like, hey, the kingdom's open for all. And I think people miss that a lot. They miss that part of it in their arguments about who's better than who instead of realizing that we all have access. It's just like the priests that say you have to go through them to get to God. It's the same concept of some sort of superiority complex that some of these groups have over the Bible. You know, they twist it to mean certain things when I just read to you in the exact Hebrew what Adam was. That's that's undeniable what that means in the Hebrew. Red, ruddy, that's what he was. He was a neutral color. And nobody wants to talk about that because that just takes the power away from each opposite end that they think that they are the best or they're God's chosen people. And I don't think that, again, when the New Testament came, that's why Yeshua came to disprove that fact. Because he, he matter of fact, he was angry with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Um, And even Paul later, when Paul came, he was super angry in the book of Romans with how they were acting because the Jews felt like that they were supposed to be above everyone else. When he said, no, the reason Yeshua came was to show that the pathway is through him, no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we realize that as humanity, another reason why I hold so much weight in that book because of what it says about how we should treat each other. And I think it's one of the best books for that, whether you think it's true or not. I do think that if you read it for that aspect, you will treat others better, you know, uh, in the long run. Yeah. These guys understood the, the assignment incorrect is like God came to rectify the law rectically, maybe, right? Like they were like, oh, it's like, no, 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 bro, not like that. You know, so again, they misunderstood the assignment, but I, I agree with you, bro. And I think that it's part of the establishment that comes to, again, this conquer and divide type of thing, where if you can separate people up in little different pods, they're not going to ever come together and, and fight for the truth, I guess. But yeah, that's, that's, that's a whole another rabbit hole, dude. And, bro, you, you want to leave us with anything else? I, I, let me read this part here. This is from Laura Lynn, one of the one of the patrons, and she was asking me about Lauren Lynn. I'm sorry, she was asking me about. Have you ever heard the term Elioid? Have you heard that term before? I haven't. She put the Elioid children of the Nephilim, possibly being Sasquatch or other cryptids, and and then I I was like, 
what are the Elio the, the Elohim? I thought maybe like, and then so here's here's a good part of that. And um, as a matter of fact, it was part of the presentation that I had today that I didn't really touch on. So um, Esau. So if we talk about Esau and Jacob, you know, Jacob's ladder, they were the first twins mentioned in the Bible, and this is in Genesis twenty-five, and. Isaac and Rebecca, his wife, his wife conceived and she wondered why, you know, she's having such a tough time with the pregnancy. Well, the children were actually fighting in her womb and God told her that two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. And I was just talking about the whole ruddy and red thing. Mm -hmm. And in Genesis 25, 25, when Esau was born, and the first came out red all over like a hairy garment and they called his name Esau. So there, and he was from him came the Edomites, which were outside of the 12 tribes of, of Israel. So you got like Judah and Dan and all those tribes. Well, he was outside of that. Well, the Edomites have been said to possibly be, some sort of Bigfoot because <laughs> of his of his hairy countenance, which is super crazy because the word garment in the Hebrew is adoret, and adoret is mantle, cloak, or majesty. And that would mean that his hair on his body was majestic. It covered his entire body, and it said he played in the fields. So it's a possibility what? that these Edomites could have been the precursor to maybe what we know as Bigfoot now, but he was at odds with Jacob and he was okay. So by birthright, the firstborn is, you know, the heir yeah. going to be the head, the elder. Mm -hmm. Well, Jacob tricked him in conjunction with his mother because his mother had the vision from God that Jacob was going from Jacob. Jesus would come, the seed would come. So she tried to facilitate it, you know, like, hey, I heard this from God, so now I'm going to do some deception. So, so basically, tricks Esau. He comes in. He was a great hunter. Um, a matter of fact, some of the Hebrew words used for Esau are are used in conjunction with Nimrod. So these were great hunters. So I don't know if there's a correlation there or not. But here's this Esau, this hairy, majestically hairy. Like we're talking in, in my nice. mind, I'm thinking Bigfoot, and he comes in after hunting one day. And he's so hungry, and Jacob's cooking lentil soup, and Jacob won't give him any unless he agrees to give his birthright over to him. So him saying, like, man, whatever, like, yeah, sure, I'll give you my birthright. Not being serious, he gives his birthright over to Jacob. But the deception doesn't end there with uh, uh, with Rebecca. She, so... Uh, Isaac is blind in his later years, and she actually puts – and this, this would make you think Bigfoot, too – had put the hair, like the hide of an animal, a furry animal, on Jacob to go into Isaac, and Isaac can't see him, so he thinks it's Esau and gives his blessing, his inheritance on Jacob. Oof. So Esau is out hunting when this happens. So he comes back, and obviously he wants to kill Jacob. Jacob goes on the run, and this is when Jacob lands in the uh, land of Bethel, which is where Israel is, and this is when he 
has the vision, Jacob's ladder, and all this happens when he's actually on the run from a possible Bigfoot, Esau, his brother. <laughs> so there is an interesting story there. The Edomites are said to maybe be the precursor of Bigfoot. The hunted become the hunter, right, in that story. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, she, she said that Gary, I think Gary Wayne has said the word El- Elioid before. Eli- yeah, Elioid. And yeah, I just thought I had never heard about that. And I was like, I told her that I'd ask you if you had heard about it, but because I know now, you're more to Gary Wayne than if than I am. I think maybe you and I talked about this on the phone at one point. As a matter of fact, and you asked me the same question. I can't remember or not, but uh, no, I'd have to look at what Gary Wayne said about it. And mm-hmm. to me, it seems like a obscure meaning for uh, what Bigfoot could be. Now, again, this goes to do we think that Bigfoot was just a creation from fallen angels and that would make them some sort of offshoot of mm-hmm. Nephilim, which mm-hmm. I know a lot of biblical scholars think that that's what all cryptids are. I just don't, I don't really hear that. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that God himself created a lot of things that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there's maybe a combination of things going on there. I mean, you just read right there that it's possible that Esau uh, was some sort of precursor to modern day uh, Bigfoot possibility, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, uh, to what she said, I have not heard of the Elioid, um, but I'd have to look into it. Awesome, bro. Well, so as, as always, this was a pleasure, Joel. Do you want to plug anything else before we get out of here? And No, you can find me at Joel Thomas Media anywhere. So just look for me, type that in. You'll find me everywhere on all social platforms. I've got a ton of films that are coming out through Merkel Media. I've got some podcast projects that will be coming out under Merkel Media first quarter next year. So that's on the way too. Um, you can go to Merkel.media and you can get access to the two films that are out now. So Expedition Dogman and The Shape of Shadows, which we went to Utah to hunt skinwalkers. You can find that there too. Awesome. Everyone, I'll post the links in the description, so make sure to send me that, Joel. And, yeah, make sure to follow the show, social media, at the one-on-one podcast on most platforms, Instagram being the main one, tjojp.com, patreon.com slash the one-on-one podcast for those that want more of the show. And then let me plug the Google Voice, because I have people calling, but they're not leaving voicemails. They're just like, some dude called like at 2 in the morning or something. Four, four zero seven. They probably think you're actually going to pick up is what they're waiting on. <laughs> yeah, Just probably. 407-476-4606. 407-476-4606. Say something nice. Tell, tell me a joke. Do something. But, yeah, this was fun, If Joel. you're going to leave a one-star review, instead of doing that, call and leave, like, a nasty, like, message so it doesn't mess up his algorithm i don't even i don't even acknowledge the one star reviews anymore bro those people (laughs) those people are dead to me so yeah but yeah leave a five star review like comment subscribe all that good stuff share the show with your family and friends and as always everyone hopefully you enjoyed this and i'll see you on the next one bye-bye now
just know me All of my thoughts consume me Playing with death like I'm swooning Everything I'm chasing, eluding This prison awaits I can't find escape Cause I wanna taste the change Definition of a sorry is everything I'm chasing out of reach like Shatari ships. I feel when people say they feel me, they just say they do. Tentacles of praise turning into calamari soap. A little stretch to every song I bleed. Just a little recognition is all I need. And God, I'm feeling growth, but every time I look inside, I'm looking at the branches of a bonsai tree. Uh, and I don't know what I'ma leave when I leave here. Cause the mics just become a pair of sheep shears. And I'm fighting for change, but legacy's important too. Scrambling for more days, more leap years. Feeling like a mega block around some Lego In a chamber of my own thoughts, my own echoes Lows never seem to hit the false falsetto Is it wrong for me to judge myself on what I've done? Know where I'm going yeah. Is it wrong for me to see what I'm going to be? And where I'm going Keep coming up missing